Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. <laughs> I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to Progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast, and we're back. And Kunal, I think the Azerbaijan Grand Prix that's coming up this weekend—it's one of my most favorite races on the calendar. You know, in terms of drama and entertainment, there are very few races that come even remotely close. Yes, you are absolutely correct, and in which case you will be very happy. In fact, everyone's going to be very happy to know that the Azerbaijan Grand Prix is going to be on the Formula One calendar till 2023 at least. That is good news, and I think this extension is really good for Formula One because we all know how street races really spice things up, and we also know that street races could be the norm in the future, uh, like the second race in China being considered as a street race. Surprise, surprise. Yes, and it's actually good to see circuits commit to Formula One beyond 2021 because at this moment, no one knows, you know, how the cars would look like. You know, will they be fast enough, or how fast will they go? You know, who are the drivers that would be racing in, you know, Formula One in 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 the future? Will the grid be competitive? And of course, will there actually be Ferrari and or a Mercedes uh, racing? Uh, you know, in the in the future as well. Yeah, the good thing is, Kunal, we can promise that we'll definitely be around, giving <laughs> Baku company. But honestly, I think Baku doesn't really need any of that because they've literally made street racing their own brand promise. They've just owned it. I think we could do, or we could propose a drinking game for each time someone says the word "street fighters" during the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's going to be so much fun. You know, but at the moment, I can't think of any any drinking because, as you guys would have noticed, I have a bad throat that I am actually fighting to be on this episode. Thank you for bearing with my changing voice patterns or whatever that you call it. It's okay, but I think I'll, I'll anyway play the game. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> but anyway, on the future stars front, so you know, Kunal, the pipeline of young drivers looks really promising. And let's not forget that a Schumacher name could be back in Formula by then. You know, twenty twenty one and beyond. Yeah. So in this week's episode of the Inside Line F One podcast, Mithila and I will discuss three key questions, all of them related to the three current legends of Formula One. Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton, and Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, Kunal, I think this is just suicide because you're asking for hate because you have not classified Max Verstappen as a current legend. Oops. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let's well, be politically correct. Well, uh, world champion legends we, or something. <laughs> okay, we discuss in the case of Fernando Alonso a possible non-renewal of racing contract with Toyota for the World Endurance Championships. Is this the correct decision? And what Alonso's future could be like, and if it is in Formula One, at which driver's expense could he make a comeback? Sir Jackie Stewart said that Lewis Hamilton is very lucky to have secured the Mercedes seat, 
And now I know that such topics evoke a lot of polarized views, but we will still discuss this anyway. And what could be next for Sebastian Vettel? So let alone beating Lewis Hamilton, Vettel is still to beat Leclerc in 2019. That is correct. Yeah, and of course, apart from this, guys, we're going to look forward to the top stories from the 2019 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And also look back, you know, with the exciting moments in time section with our favorite Lucien. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, please remember to, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audio Boom for your weekly dose of Formula One humor. Awesome. So now that's out of the way and we actually start talking. So, Fernando Alonso, it seems that he might not renew his racing contract with Toyota Kunal. What do you think? I think that Fernando Alonso is developing into a driver who could have you know, multiple championship winning relationships with different teams and manufacturers. We already know of his love for McLaren. And McLaren's love for him. Eternal, undying. (laughs) (laughs) As for Toyota, their mission for the World Endurance Championship and Le Mans is completed, you know. So not wanting to renew this racing relationship is somewhat understandable from Fernando Alonso's point of view. Because let's remember, he has got the triple crown in sight, Okay. As far as Toyota again goes, they also know that if Fernando Alonso wishes to race in the Dakar, they will be his first choice anyway. Yeah, and honestly, just for Dakar reasons, I would love to see Alonso and Toyota reunite again. But for 2020, I really hope that Alonso pursues a full season in the IndyCar series, you know, for two reasons. So firstly, I think it'll be a far more uh, concentrated effort for the Indy 500 win. And of course, McLaren also gets to diversify their motorsport investments. Bob Fernley will have a job again in motorsport. Woohoo! <laughs> <coughs> Kunal, are you sure you're okay? Should I do the podcast by myself today? No, no. I, I'll make sure I manage my parts pretty <laughs> That'll well. That will get you to recover really quick, <laughs> won't it? Anyway, and secondly, I don't know if there's space for Alonso in Formula 1 anymore. Let alone McLaren. Yeah, well, if McLaren do want him back... I wonder who they're going to ask to step aside. Will it be Lando Norris or Carlos Sainz Jr.? Norris is their future and he could actually be signed up by any other team in no time if McLaren let him go. So it could actually be Carlos Sainz Jr. who could be asked to step aside and that is already sounding strange. Yeah, because from being Alonso's student and then giving up your seat to accommodate him, basically the Sainz-Alonso relationship could go really weird. Well, unless Alonso is able to pull off a coup and come back with, say, Ferrari or Mercedes, both of which actually seems increasingly impossible. Yeah, I think we all know which young drivers Ferrari and Mercedes are backing in the times to come. Anyway, if Alonso leaves Toyota, Brendan Hartley could be his replacement. Kunal, that's interesting. Change in fortunes. Brendan Hartley could be another driver with multiple manufacturer relationships and contracts. Like I've said before... Hartley seems to be in line for a Formula E seat with Porsche and they did a test last week itself. So, Brendan Hartley and Neil Yani could be driving for Porsche in Formula E. At least Yani has been confirmed. Now it waits to see who's going to take the second seat. And so, Jackie Stewart said what a lot of people have said, that Hamilton being very lucky with his Mercedes move, that's a fact. And it's just that Jackie Stewart didn't attract as much hate as others would have and could have. Well, in which case, sir, Jackie Stewart is very lucky as well. (laughs) Yes, honestly. But you know what? I have a very strong personal view on being lucky. I really think that Hamilton's hard work is what drove that whole good luck towards him. Like, it isn't like everything just fell into his lap. And 
all he had to do was sign the contract and then turn up and drive. I mean, it sounds really easy, but it's been bloody hard for him. Yes, absolutely. I mean, talking of Hamilton's struggles, let's remember Alonso hasn't been the only champion to have struggled with McLaren. Lewis Hamilton did too, as did Jensen Button back in the days. And, you know, I agree with your point because it is Hamilton's hard work and talent, you know, that made good luck follow him around. And actually, he's still riding an unchallenged and unparalleled phase of bloody good luck in his career. Yeah, that's Lewis Hamilton for you. And let's also not forget how lucky Mercedes were because they got Hamilton to agree to sign up when they had no credentials to boast about. And with, you know, the new, then new hybrid turbo regulations coming up, it was a big leap of faith. Finally, what's next for Sebastian Vettel? Bernie Ecclestone thinks that Vettel could retire by the end of 2019. Now, firstly, I wonder why Ecclestone would, Ecclestone would stir the retirement pot. Because he's supposed to be good pals with Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, you know, that's exactly why I wonder if it makes more sense because it's coming from Bernie Ecclestone. Uh, did Vettel just confide in Ecclestone or now is it that Ecclestone is doing this to grab some headlines? Because clearly he isn't getting enough. Frankly, I would hate to see Vettel leave without a proper fight. And by a proper fight, I mean one where he and Ferrari do not make mistakes. I know <coughs> we've had two seasons where that has happened. And I I don't think Vettel would want to leave without, you know, a fight either. He is known to be a fighter as well. Yeah, I'm a street fighter. <laughs> Should I drink? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But Kunal, I'll repeat what you said in the last episode. Will Lewis Hamilton be remembered for ending the Formula One careers of two champions, Rosberg and Vettel. Well, Sebastian Vettel's last win in Formula 1 was nearly 250 days ago. And that also means that Raikkonen's win in the United States Grand Prix made him the last Ferrari driver to have won a Formula 1 race. Makes him. Present tense. Yes. And, and Charles Leclerc is the last Formula Ferrari driver to have scored pole position. So, you know, I, I personally trust Sebastian Vettel to bounce back. Before he actually goes on retiring seriously. And I know that Ecclestone said that Ferrari should have retained Raikkonen for 2019 because he would have been a better wingman for Vettel than Leclerc. If and when Vettel does retire, I would expect him to fade away into oblivion. You know, he, he would just want it to be like that. Unlike a lot of, you know, current former world champions who've become television pundits and talking and you know, on television or they have their own podcast and so on and so forth. But before we actually move on from this whole Ferrari, Leclerc, Vettel thing, it's important to realize that Ferrari find themselves in a dilemma because at one hand, they have a four times world champion who is desperately trying hard to lead them to, you know, championship glory. And on the other hand, there's this fresh new talent that is also trying to do that. So, you know, while it's easy for us to make comments saying, oh, they should have backed Leclerc here or backed him there. Let's remember, there are lots of these, you know, uh, political undercurrents that, that actually go on when it comes to constituting a team. And that's what Ferrari and even Mercedes we've seen in the past have succumbed to. Yeah, and just, you know, this is an interesting fact. So in 2019, Hamilton has a 31-point championship advantage over Vettel. And in comparison, in 2017 and 2018, Hamilton was actually behind Vettel in the championship after the first three races. Yes, these numbers are ominous. And at the moment, Hamilton is one full race win ahead of Sebastian Vettel already. But I'm not going to be calling this championship settled just as yet. It's a long way to go to Abu Dhabi. Okay, so final words since we're on Ferrari. 
uh, or since we're on Vettel, so Gerhard Berger thinks that Mattia Binotto is probably overburdened with responsibility at Ferrari. You know, we found the one man who could fix us, so let's give him everything to fix, right? You know, honestly, different teams are set up differently. And at least at Ferrari, uh, there's one man speaking to the media at all times. And maybe this is what gives everyone the impression on the outside that Binotto is responsible for everything. Yeah, both Red Bull Racing and Mercedes seem to have several members of the team speak at different times of the weekend. Uh, but here's my compilation of what Binotto has said in the days between China and Baku. Well, well, before you go to that, another distinction that I'm going to make out here is, you know, before the start of the 2019 season, the media complained that Ferrari wasn't as media friendly and wasn't giving as much access as a lot of other teams were doing. Now that Ferrari is giving access, people are trying to find fault saying, oh, there is just one person from the team of Ferrari that's talking apart from the drivers. So, guys, don't fall for these stories, at least in my view. But, yeah, I'd now love to hear your compilation of what Mattia <laughs> Binotto has said. Yeah, this is like a mini what Binotto said this week section. Anyway, Binotto said that Ferrari won't have a straight-line speed advantage in Baku. Uh, the first of the SF90s upgrades are expected for the race. Yes, I read that Ferrari are tweaking their floor to get better aerodynamic uh, efficiency. But... You know, I remember in the Michael Schumacher era, Ferrari was known to be faster in the corners and slower in the straights. And I also remember that back in the days, it was the Mercedes engine powering the McLarens. Now, in the Vettel era, the opposite seems to have happened. And it seems to be true at the moment that the Ferrari is losing speed in the corners. Yeah, but the one thing that Binotto said that I really hope is true is that the championship is changing from one weekend to the next. Frankly, the standings might not reveal this, but when you watch each race, there's just so much more, you know, than the final positions. Like when you see that Mercedes have finished the first three races in the first and second places, that doesn't tell the full story. Yeah, at first when you started, you know, saying that Binotto said that championship is changing from one week into the next, I honestly thought he was you know, commentating on how MotoGP and Formula E is probably going, but <laughs> he is right. And uh, on to more fun things at Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel's moustache is gone. We don't know why, but let's really hope that this new aerodynamic package works for <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, I think the one driver who would have heaved a sigh of relief is Charles Leclerc. Kunal, I think he's had to work harder to grow his moustache uh, than to <laughs> match Vettel's face. <laughs> Well, I just remembered Leclerc said that he and Vettel have different driving styles. Now, he didn't really explain what the difference was. But I think he meant that his style is faster and probably induces fewer spins than <laughs> Vettel's. And uh, Max Verstappen made the most ultimate claim, though. He said that Sebastian Vettel isn't a magical driver. Now, that's okay because we're all entitled to our opinions. And I know that Verstappen is highly opinionated, too. But I think Verstappen will eventually be compared against Vettel's successes at Red Bull Racing. You know, when the domination eventually comes Red Bull Racing and Verstappen's way, uh, I think Sebastian Vettel will be Verstappen's benchmark. That's if he already isn't. Yeah, and Verstappen also made a few recommendations on things he'd like to change in Formula 1. And the one thing that stood out was that he wanted aero that wouldn't cost a car too much. Uh, you know, in the event that two cars touched and something broke off. Kunal, can you believe that Verstappen actually made a reference to cars touching and things breaking <laughs> off? 
I mean, I can't what, believe that. I know murder spot is a non-contact <laughs> spot, but okay. I am just reminded of the universal saying, you bang, you pay. If you can't pay, your father pays. In Verstappen's case, of course, Red Bull Racing is paying. And oh, basically, yeah. all the Red Bulls that we all drink pays for all those crashes. <laughs> But I am now reminded of Verstappen's video from China. Actually, I've been reminded a lot of thing of a lot of things in this episode. Maybe it's just the throat. But uh, in this particular video, Verstappen asks uh, JP Jean Paul, his race engineer, who by the way was uh, ex Force India. Okay, so anyway, back to the video. Verstappen asks his race engineer some advice about the gear shifts, and there's some banter and laughter. But you know. I really wonder if Verstappen's next recommendation for Formula One could also be fully automatic gear shifts. Yeah, I mean, that's how we millennials love our cars. And of course, that's when they aren't self-driving themselves. <laughs> oh Lord, I still need a clutch. But anyway, I also know that a few years ago, Max Verstappen said that he did not know the classic motor racing heel-toe method. So that's where my love for the clutch come from, guys, comes from, guys. But... Credit where it's due, Verstappen has had the best start to his Formula 1 season ever than before. And he has been splitting the Ferraris at will and currently is ahead of them in the championships. Yeah, this is just what his masters at Red Bull Racing would have wanted. You know, fast and mature. In fact, from praising his speed, Christian Horner is now praising Verstappen's maturity. By and, still making a reference to Daniel Ricciardo every now and then. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Verstappen's maturity, especially in handling the Honda chapter with Red Bull Racing. Uh, by the way, Honda will have a power unit upgrade in Baku. And they're saying that this upgrade will cut the party more deficit for Red Bull Racing. Just wait and watch, I guess. Well, I wonder if the qualifying engine modes are now just being referred to as party modes because, you know, they've been marketed as that like a standard nomenclature or something. And if Honda's upgrade does deliver, I'd love to see how far up ahead, uh, you know, Verstappen and Gasly can go. Because I do know that Red Bull are also bringing upgrades to their chassis. Yeah, I think Baku is like the new Spain, you know. Like in the yesteryears, it was the Spanish Grand Prix that saw teams bringing upgrades to the packages, and now it's Baku. That could be true, mm. because... Spanish Grand Prix, by virtue of being the first European race, you know, people could just drive down with the car upgrades. And I don't know if they drive down to Baku, but maybe it's just easier, cheaper, faster to fly and could be one of those reasons as well. But uh, at Baku, I am really hoping that we're, you know, we're done talking about Mercedes's double stack pit stop. Because like how I tweeted during the race uh, in China, that every team on the grid can double stack with as much ease so let's not really over-glorify Mercedes's effort. Yeah, and I saw some Ferrari fanboys sharing videos of how Ferrari have been double-stacking pit stops since much longer. Since much before Mercedes made a comeback to Formula 1, yeah, actually. Yeah, actually. And Kunal, the funny thing is that the credit for the double-stack decision went to Toto Wolff. But had the trick failed, it would have been the team's fault, you know? Very Ouch. convenient. Ouch. You shouldn't say these things out loud. But anyway, they're on the podcast. So. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but on to more important things at Mercedes. Botas is seeking an early resolution to his contract extension. Uh, he says he's okay with yet another short-term extension. And I think um, if you were to consider, or one was to consider Botas's performances in the first three races of the season then I'd be like, yes, why not? Let's go ahead and give an extension. And I, I also believe this is a very smart move by Botas to block off the Ocon threat early into the 2019 season. And this should help him focus even more so on just his driving. 
Yeah, and I think this is what Toto Wolf has alluded to as well. He said that Mercedes don't have a reason to consider driver changes in the short term. So let's see how the Esteban Ocon story shapes up. I really hope that Mercedes don't purposely delay a sort of a talk with Bottas to try and outsike him and, you know, leading to bad performances and so on and so forth. Let's remember these things can be very common in the world of sport, let alone Formula 1. Yes. And guys, in fact, it was only in our last episode where we discussed the possible scenarios under which Mercedes could promote Ocon to a race seat in 2020. You guys are most welcome to give that episode a listen. It's really great, if I may say so myself. Thank you. It was my point. So thanks for the compliment. (laughs) But finally, the one team to speak about when it comes to Baku is Racing Point. Between Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll, they have actually sealed the podium at this race at 2016, 2017 and 2018. And I think like Spa, which is also sort of the Force India circuit, uh, you know, they seem to, Racing Point seems to have a magic formula that instantly works well at Baku as well. Yes, but Kunal, I am still rooting for a Hulkenberg podium. You know, if we're making choices from the midfield, that is. I think he was running, what, top five, two races, uh, two years in a row, and then he crashed out. I think he really needs to resurrect this season, and what better way than a podium? And he needs to resurrect his past finished form at Baku, because he's had two back-to-back DNFs, like you just pointed out. But talking of resurrection, I think all of Renault needs resurrection in every way, and they need to do so literally now. Because Alan Prost just said a few days ago that uh, Renault will have the best engine in Formula 1 in the future. And, you know, I'll be honest, we've been hearing such quotes from Renault ever since the start of the hybrid turbo era. And mind you, these regulations have now been around for six years. It's the sixth season, rather, that we have the hybrid turbo era regulations. Yeah, but Kunal, I'm just going to go back to talking about Lance Stroll for a second. So only a few years after letting go of Formula One, Malaysia now say that they're happy to have the spot back in Sepang by 2022. And of course, the organizing team down-talked Formula One's not-so-enthusiastic discussions and then beat this. They actually asked, who is Lance Stroll? (laughs) Why would fans pay money to come and see him race? (laughs) Exactly my question. (laughs) Just kidding. You know, this actually takes me back to the start of our podcast, where I wondered how Baku extended their deal with Formula One without knowing what the product could be like in the future. And since the podcast seems to have come a full circle, here's over to Lucien for his Moments in Time section, looking forward to the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Welcome to Formula One Moments in Time with Lucien Byfield. This week, memories of the Baku-Azerbaijan Grand Prix of the past. We have only witnessed a few races in Baku where the Azerbaijanis covered buildings with more desirous images to make the city look more modern. Also, to make things a bit worse, they hastily displayed slightly dodgy translated slogans around the track. The track features one of the longest straights, if you can call it a straight, at around 2.2 kilometers. Meaning, if drivers set up their cars for speed and not cornering efficiency, we get to see the true top speed of a Formula One car, which is rare. In 2016, Valtteri Bottas hit 378 kilometers an hour on that straight and at the time was driving for Williams Mercedes. The Baku circuit is a circuit of extremes. It also features one of the tightest and most dangerous corner sequences from turn 9 to 12. And this caught out Lewis Hamilton in the first race in qualifying. 
The race was held under the banner of the European Grand Prix, despite cynicism over the technicality of it not being a true European race. Nico Rosberg got pole, but Sergio Perez qualified second, giving Force India something to smile about, although gearbox penalties sent him back a few places. This was to prove a minor problem though, as Sergio somehow still got the car onto the podium. Nico Rosberg won the race, and he won despite having issues to do with the functions on the steering wheel. Now, Nico managed to overcome his in two laps, but Lewis Hamilton had a very similar problem, and it took him 12 laps. In 2017, the race was called the Azerbaijan Grand Prix for the first time, but it is remembered for Road Rage Gate by a very deluded and paranoid Sebastian Vettel. Under a safety car, he was convinced that Hamilton had brake tested him, so he pulled up alongside and gave him a bit of bump and grind. As for the race, Vettel was given a lame penalty, which he contested, asking when had he driven dangerously. Psycho alert! So, the mighty honey badger, Daniel Ricciardo, stepped up and performed some of his incredible passing moves and won a race he had no business in winning. One notable point in this race was how Lance Stroll, in his debut year at Williams, somehow made it to the podium. On a humorous note, Kimi Raikkonen gave us some incredible sound bites when the race was red flagged and his team didn't hand him the steering wheel while they were wheeling him down the pit lane. Look it up. It is hilarious. The quite monosyllabic Kimmy was furious and sounded like a madman. Steering wheel! Give me the steering wheel! In 2018, it was a tale of two stories. Firstly, the Red Bull incident where Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo crashed, largely due to Max doing his moving under braking thing he has so often got away with. The other big story was how Bottas continued to lead races and not win them in 2018. And so, to this year, 2019, well we cannot keep talking about how fast Ferrari are this year. For this race, it has got to be Lewis. He is on form, and he is leading on points, has two wins out of three races, and let's face it, the best team and car of all. Anyway, that's it for this time on Formula One Moments in Time with Lucien Byfield from South Australia. Catch you later. Thank you so much, Lucien. And in fact, Kunal, I'm still amazed at uh, Bottas's top speed of 378 kilometers per hour. And I didn't quite recall that Raikkonen's steering wheel issue was here at Baku. Yeah, me neither. I mean, can you imagine? We all remember the issue, but don't remember that it happened at Baku. Uh, My favorite memories were definitely the two Force India podiums. And of course, Vettel's silly drive into Lewis Hamilton a couple of years ago. Okay, great, Kunal. Now it's that time of the episode when we ask for predictions. I think the Coachella attending Formula One drivers are up for a good result. Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo and definitely the Ferrari drivers need a good result. Listen, will you pick a top three already? Well, it's Baku and, you know, Street Fighters and all of that is going to happen. So, okay, I would go with Vettel, Leclerc, Hamilton. You said Street Fighter, I drink. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I think the challenge for the fifth world championship title starts in Baku for Sebastian Vettel. And just because I like to disagree with you, I'm going to go with Hamilton, Bottas, Leclerc and say that the advantage for the sixth championship just builds further and just keeps building. And you know what? Maybe not being a title contender might be just what Vettel needs to go back to racing and just enjoy his form. Who knows? On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for bearing with my 
you know, unfortunate coughing on the podcast, but we will be back after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix Without next the cough. Week. Yes, I promise you I'm going to get a be cure good. for Take it. Take your medicines, Kunal. Happy, happy weekend. Enjoy the racing. Bye-bye. and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.